Come with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the What the hell was that? I am Ryan Cole, your host, the gatekeeper of the realm of the unknown, unexplained, unbelievable, yada, the yada. mystical, the magical, the macabre, and the right. And with me, all the way from across the red dragon pond, is the crazy man himself, Steve Parson. Hey, how's it going, Ron? Yeah, outstanding. Good. I'm broadcasting live from my haunted office here up at VZ, so that's always fun. The aircon on. You never know what's going to happen. It's the aircon on. Oh yeah, good. And uh, you know, uh, it's it's a little bit bigger than your office. Uh, yes, it is. It is uh, about. Yeah, it is bigger. Yeah, yeah. Size matters. Mm. So, anyways, uh, you know, last week we had a we had uh, what's his yeah. name line. Uh, well, according to um, according to the misspelling of his name on the uh, Togginet podcast, Lod Lod Auerbach. Lloyd. That's the way he spells it. Yeah. L y o d. L y o d. Okay. Fair enough. Only one L. All right. Why does it say Lloyd? Lloyd. No, it looks like a misspelling. Ah, whatever. Anyways. Um, it was interesting because we talked about uh, how other teams did uh, ghost. Not we didn't talk about how they do it, they did it, but kind of like we try to gu- do a little guide on it and on what a team might want to do. Would you agree? Is that kind of what we did? Uh, well, I was here, so yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we we could have called it the ultimately pointless show, really, couldn't we? Um, you know, because it's not going to change anything, is it? They're also going to be running around like lunatics. You don't think people will change? No. no. Behave. I mean, you've got you've got eminent professors of psychology like Lloyd uh, doing courses. You've got. It's not going to change. I mean, Lloyd said so himself, didn't he? He said, we, we just, the hard part is trying to engage with them because they're, they're so fixed in their belief that, that what they're doing is already the right way, uh, having learnt it from social media and the television, that there isn't very much you can do to change their mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know, but uh, it, it's such a fascinating field, paranormal, and, and you can look at it so many different ways, and it's... You know, it it it's a really amazing because I, I, you ever watch any of the the shows where they they show something that's really really strange and you, you and you look at it and you say what the hell is that and then by the end of the show they explain what that was and and you would have never guessed it and and that's the kind of mindset you need in investigating I think that you know okay you've got something that's really cool so let's see what it, it is. Let's see if we can explain what's going on here. Uh, Instead of yeah. making a, a leap of faith. Uh, I thought you just. Well, yeah, the only shows I can recall where they show you something really crazy and um, then they explain how it's done, and you go, "Well, that was really is one of those magic reveal shows." 
Oh no, no, we we have some great shows here in in the U.S. Uh, yeah, like, weather, like what like Ghost Adventures. No, no, the Weather Channel uh, produces a, a, quite a series uh, in regards to the Earth and and the strange occurrences in the Earth and everything from the lights over London, uh, which was uh, an interesting. Uh, they finally figured out what it was, and it, it went unknown for years and years and years. There are some really interesting uh, natural mysteries um, that haven't been solved. One of the most, uh, possibly one of the most famous, that's got a whole raft of uh, conspiracies and stuff attached to it, is, of course, the hum. I don't know if you're aware of it. I mean, you yourself. I mean, it's it's an international phenomena uh, where people report this low-frequency buzzing sound that can be... um, Well, the hum, yeah. Yeah, it can be. Oh, it's called the Hummadras. It, 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 it's yep. got, and there have been lots and lots of explanations. You know, yeah, they had one ex- out in, in uh, San Francisco. It was, was yeah, very yeah. well documented. Yeah, we have them here in the UK, um, all around the world. They're, they're reported and they're known. Um, and there have been some very interesting explanations down the years. Now, of course, this is in my area of interest because it's low frequency sound. It's a hum. Exactly. Uh, because I've taken a great interest in the hobby. So should we should we call you the doctor of low low uh, frequency? Low expect? No, more the doctor of low expectations. What's that? The doctor, the, the yeah, yeah, I know the, that, but that's low expectations rather than low frequencies. The father of low frequency sound. I mean, the father of low expectation. Yeah, I mean, we could do that. You know, that's yeah. not a problem. Yeah, I think it's more appropriate. I'm, uh, sure but, the, I'm sure the Wall Street Journal might even do that. I don't know. The gold standard of low expectation. Yeah, go on. Yeah, anyway, or of underachievement. They, uh, or of underpayment. They, uh, they, uh, they've come up with some interesting explanations. We've had uh, some of the obvious ones. Uh, I, I myself have investigated one or two homes. Um, and some of the more obvious explanations are related to man-made activity, large industrial facilities or underground, right. underground gas pipelines or electrical transformers. Mm-hmm. Um, and several... call of a particular type of fish. Now, that was one I think that was put forward for the San Francisco one. Yeah, exactly. Small little fish that was making this incredibly loud buzzing, humming sound. It was actually the meaning call of them or something or other. Yeah. um, Others have said it's uh, the upper atmosphere, um, the jet stream uh, interacting with with, um, the, the remaining atmosphere. Others have said it's tectonic, seismic, uh, some have suggested that it's government-operated uh, uh, over-the-horizon radars and weather-control devices, and HARP has been thrown into the mix. Along HARP with all kind of into the mix. HARP, HARP, blame everything on HARP. Um, it's like the Mercury tr- going in retro, you know, you just blame it on HARP. <laughs> the truth is, we still don't have a definitive explanation. And what it might come down to is that there are lots of different hums. Uh, that all sound similar because again, and I, I've got some actually um, recordings, recordings of the hum, uh, uh-huh. the Pembrokeshire one, which was which made the newspapers, and it was affecting one or two villages uh, and a a small number of people within the villages that were only about two or three miles from where I live, and I was, was uh, it, it seemed it was too good an opportunity to miss. 
And so I use the infrasound uh, equipment that I have to try and document it. What was interesting is at the same time as our local authority, uh, environmental uh, agency had got, got involved because of the complaints. And they had also made measurements um, of the, the offending noise. So it was a genuine noise. I mean, there was something absolutely definitely there. Uh, what they said is, though, that it, it, in actual fact, it was um, within the normal limits of human endurance or tolerance or, you know, there was uh, nothing that, that uh, was required to be done by or changed because of it. However, what they were, um, the way that they measure it is based upon a set of weighting scales that sound meters use, which don't actually give you the full uh, picture. Um, of the amount of sound energy that's present. What's also interesting is, and this comes back to uh, the discovery within uh, infrasound relating to the paranormal, is that within the uh, infrasound paranormal uh, data, we realised that there was only around about one-third of the general population would would be affected uh, by infrasound. Um, And that seems to be holding true for this low-frequency hum as well, that you will get perhaps one or two people will be affected by it within a small within the community that I was looking at, mm-hmm. um, and others, even people living in the same house, um, one can be very greatly disturbed, sleepless nights, uh, you know, visits to the doctor, um, you know, at the point of absolute despair about the sound, and a partner living with them can't hear or. or feel it in any way isn't even aware of its presence that's quite interesting what's also interesting is once you get one reporting it uh, and then they go public or they go around to the village you know they go around the village and start telling their friends and neighbors and it makes it into the the, the local paper you get a a sort of a follow-on effect you get a, a, a rapid increase in the number of people also complaining now what's quite difficult is were they genuinely being affected by it or is it somewhat of a me too condition going on that because somebody's made them aware of this problem that they become hyper aware and that they start to miss misunderstand misinterpret normal sounds that they've always heard and one very good example of that took place in the case that i was looking at here in pembrokeshire and that was uh, a lady who had been seriously and adversely affected and had gone to the media and had gone to the council. And she was, uh, she, in fact, she was the driving force for the local authorities' um, uh, uh, environmental agents to get involved, do their own measurements, because she was very, very badly affected by this sound. However, one of her neighbours, uh, who I spoke to, who also claimed to be affected by the sound, um, what was different is she could hear it. In fact, the entire family could hear it, and it would it would stop and start at different times of the day or night. And she was starting to make a big sort of uh, she she phoned the council. She'd also got onto this media uh, bandwagon that started to roll. Now, when we went to visit her, when I went to visit her, it was immediately apparent walking into the property what the problem was because you could hear the hum, uh, which really? you don't normally do, and sitting there drinking a cup of tea listening to this lady telling me how bad things were becoming and she was saying you know it stops and starts and stops and starts and stops and starts i said yes i know it's stopping and starting i can hear it stopping and starting and i can if you give me a minute um 
because uh, it's going now. Uh, let me try something and let me see if I can stop it. So I left the room and a, about 20 seconds later, she confirmed that it had in fact stopped. And I said, let's see if we can restart it then. Because what, I, what she had become uh, aware of very much was the uh, compressor motor on her domestic freezer. Because, uh-huh. because the other lady had gone to the press and because word had spread around quite a small village uh, about this hum, she was um, becoming very aware of the 50 hertz uh, compressor motor. And the, the way it was sort of quietly buzzing away that she'd never, ever... I mean, this appliance she'd had for 10 years. Um, and she'd never been aware of it before until she'd read about it in the local paper. So that's interesting, Steve, because, you know, that's, we become cognizant of certain things, even though they've always been there, all of a sudden the light goes on. I mean, it's like, I guess you once you're aware of them, I mean, if, for instance, uh, Lou Blasi from the Morning Edition always talks about if a man goes in the woods with another man who, who does it all the time, he'll hear, so you hear that, you, you hear this, and the other guy won't because he's not, doesn't know what he's listening for he doesn't understand exactly it's, it's also a, a problem that spreads into the the more mundane side of ghost hunting the, the the paranormal investigation because if you look at most groups including parasites one of the things that they will advocate is that they uh get the client to start a questionnaire um or to keep a diary is the most you know we asked them to keep a diary for several weeks now the problem with that and it is important you get the information in the diary form Mm -hmm. but the problem that we discovered very early on that other groups will also experience but they don't seem to acknowledge uh or, or is that immediately you tell people we want you to keep a diary they become hyper aware and they start to record things and put things. So the, the number of experiences that they report goes up. Immediately you tell them to start writing it down because you're asking them to focus on something that ordinarily um, they would notice when it became sort of um, a macro scale event. Um, but now they're, they're responding to, to very small micro scale events. Right. And you see, you see that on ghost hunts too. Um, you know, you, you can take a group of investigators, and I've had this happen uh, with 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 a group I've been with. Uh, you can take a group of investigators into a building, and they can sit there for for some time. Um, but when you sit them in the dark it, with the lights out, and it's very quiet, and everybody's sitting there in the stillness, you have people becoming what was that noise? And, I can hardly hear what you... There's a slight tapping coming from the window. Well, it's such a minuscule event that that they're making a big deal out of that, you know, day to day it would... Even if somebody just put a light bulb on or changed what they were doing and started writing stuff down and changing the, the degree of their, their, their sort of focus, they, right. would, they would never notice it. And we used to call it, stop chasing the tiger's tail and start, wait, start looking for the tiger. 
um, because people do become hyper aware when they're investigating the paranormal. You know, tonight I'm doing the red light seance, uh, which I have been doing for well over a year now. And and one of the things that, you know, of course, it deals with physical mediumship and, and tappings are, are a part of it. And what happens is if, if you ask during a seance or something like, okay, uh, you know, can you please tap twice for no and three times for yes? And you listen, and you might hear the most minute little tippy tappy, and they say, "Oh, yes," or "Oh, no," and you know, the, it, they automatically pick on. And it might be the most minute. You know, it could be just the the wind blowing the slightest or, or anything. But yeah, it becomes an answer from the other side. So it's difficult. Because I, you know, I agree exactly what you're talking about is that you become heightened. You, you know, you're, you're looking for that and you find it. Yeah, um, it's it's a, it's a big problem. And one the, when we had Anne on the show a couple of weeks ago, that we one of the things that Anne looks at. We talked about the way Anne looks at the team as well, uh, and the way the team respond in these conditions because you're getting a group of people who are there specifically to look for. Um, the paranormal, I guess, or something unusual. Mm-hmm. And so you are making them, you are creating a situation that doesn't exist because ordinarily the witness is going about their, their everyday life um, and something might happen and they will notice it and they will they will respond and they will deal with it. But then you take a group of people who have been asked um, to come along and to investigate and to... Um, study the, the the experiences of others you, and you're putting them into this into this situation and you're saying to them we want you to uh, observe and we want you to evaluate and we want you to document it's not really a surprise when a number when the number of experiences by paranormal investigators goes up and that they have their their beliefs confirmed you know that uh, and, and we go back to this infrasound uh, thing again. We know that around about a third of the population are affected by infrasound, but that affects them 24 hours a day in the office, at home, on the bus, um, wherever they are, they're affected by it. They're, they're, but they don't report paranormal experiences. If you then take uh, those same sensations that ordinarily are very small sensations and that day-to-day life is much more dominant in the sensory sort of world and they 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 don't even notice this slight itch of infrasound um Mm -hmm. interacting with them then you sit them in the dark and you or you take them to a building and you say this is a haunted building and we want you to um you know wander around or we want you to sit quietly they they start to notice these infrasonic itches but because right. they can't hear it, because they can't smell it or see it, they will then blame, naturally blame, the paranormal. Because the one thing that they know is different is that the building is haunted. And you also, you also, sorry, you also get it with photographs and with EVPs. If you go to any any sort of tourist attraction in Massachusetts, in America, in the UK you will find that there are hundreds of people taking thousands of photographs uh, of themselves, of their families, um, inside these buildings. 
and they go home and they put them on the computer and they'll look at them and they'll laugh and they'll they'll share them on social media if you then take um, a group of people into the same location at night because it's a famous castle, it's got a ghost, and you tell them that they will pour over those photographs in minute detail. They will blow them up to 5,000% on the computer screens, and they will study them for every art- every pixel that's wrong, every... <sighs> nuance of uh, that, that's not right within the picture and do you know what every digital p- photograph contains some error within the software some anomaly, writing right. yep. some anomaly and it's not really that much of a surprise that if you look hard enough you're going to find something that you can say well I don't understand it but because you don't understand it doesn't mean it's paranormal mm-hmm. so I mean Steve we're going back to the, the investigating and and going into a haunted location and all of a sudden you are picking up on things that perhaps, you know, could be paranormal, not paranormal. How do you rectify that situation? Do you take the human element out of it or do you, you know, do you just, for instance, just wire a house up with cameras and audio things or, or, or how, do you, how do you rectify that? Uh, well, you can't take the human out of it because the human being is the sole reason that you should be there um, because – you're there because somebody has had a paranormal experience um, and that you know you want to study that experience we're not there to study the ghost we're there to study human experience so you can't throw the the people out uh, however inconvenient they might be (laughs) Uh, when you're you know stringing your cables and cameras around the place and rigging it for all manner of uh, experiments um, because they are intrinsic to what took place uh, and you know, therefore, intrinsic to the reason you're, you hopefully should be there. Um, the idea of just rigging it with cameras has been tried. You know, fill it full of technology, and then all go all go to the pub. Um, and right. Let the technology do the job. Well, you might capture something that you don't understand. You might see things on the video footage or record sounds. But that is an event that took that you can't then uh, link to a person's experience. So it's disconnected from the original experience um, and the reason why you're there. It's like using full-spectrum photography. Uh, you You go to a haunted house because somebody saw a ghost walk across a... or says they saw a ghost walk across a room... Um, so you go along and you take lots of pictures with your full spectrum camera um, and you get something sh- strange blob shape um, on it. The problem is the person who saw uh, had the original experience and saw what they said was the ghost. Their eyes are not looking in the infrared and the ultraviolet spectrum. They're looking into the visible light spectrum. Mm-hmm. You're there sure. looking into the into the ultraviolet and the infrared uh, part of the, the, the spectrum. Um, so you're not actually seeing what or photographing what they saw. Um, so you can't make a direct connection between the two. Right now, and, if you and, if and you the, have a picture, well, sorry, I was going to say if you have a camera next to somebody who says, "Oh, look, there's a ghost in the corner," and you take a picture and it shows what they're describing then you have that subjective, objective correlation. Mm-hmm. But you can't just I, throw the equipment in. And... You know, we, we have uh, 
CCTV cameras that have captured strange events. And, you know, some of them, interestingly enough, uh, you know, can't be explained or, or kind of can be explained, but they're always after the fact. For instance, I know that the in, in London they had the, the statue that would rotate on its own. And, uh, of course, up here we had that uh, cake dish that, that flew off the uh, counter by itself. So, I mean, we, we had instances captured by CCTV where there were no human element. But some are still explainable, even though the human element isn't there. You've also, I think you've got to accept, to a degree, that weird stuff happens. You know, it's, it may not be paranormal for it to be weird. Uh, we know why that statue um, spun round by itself. It was very, very weird, but it wasn't paranormal. Uh, well, it wasn't until we could solve it. Well, it's not paranormal because we can't solve it. It's un- unexplained. Until unexplained's we... a better word. I like that. I like that. Part. I mean. You know, uh, there is this, there is, you see it a lot. In fact, I was reading today a report by a paranormal team who'd, who'd investigated some, some uh, building in Scotland, and they'd said they'd encountered things that they couldn't explain, therefore they were paranormal. That is a huge leap. I mean, that is an enormous leap to make because you can't explain it. I can't explain the the inner workings of a diesel engine but it doesn't mean it's paranormal it means that is an inability of me to explain the inner workings of a a diesel engine Uh, lack of lack of ability to explain does not imply or infer um, that something is anything other than what it really is when do we make that leap from unexplained to paranormal or is there a leap at all well it's, it should be a very reluctant step. Uh, and one, when you when we go back to the school science labs, when we had to show working out, um, I don't think, th- you can say a building is haunted because there is a sort of classical definitions of what a haunted building is. We all understand those classical definitions that may not be totally accurate. In terms of the paranormal, we do understand that it is something that is abnormal and that is beyond explanation. And I think once you reach the point where not just you can't explain it, but all attempts to explain it are failing. And I don't just mean you ask, you know, you ask the you guy ask your mates. You ask yeah. your mates or, or you had a tinker on, on PaintShop Pro or Photoshop. That were a genuine attempt, like the hum, for example. Lots and lots of attempts have been made to explain that. Now, that could actually, I think, be genuinely classed as paranormal because it is completely defeating all of the explanations that are being put forward. That could be a weakness in the methodology because you're dealing with multiple phenomena. And so one explanation, you know, one is fish, one is jet streams, uh, so that there could be a problem there, but I think the hum is probably paranormal, or a good example of something that could be said as paranormal. Mm-hmm. Well, anyways, we have to take a break right now. So uh, you're listening to Ghost Chronicles International here on Tojanet and Pararex, Planet Paranormal, uh, Astronet Radio, wherever else we're being played with uh, Ron Kolick and Steve Parsons, and we'll be right back after the following messages.
Monday mornings just got scarier. Tune in every Monday at 11 a.m. for another episode of Ghost Chronicles Morning Edition with New England's own Van Helsing, Ron Kolick, and his inquisitive travel companion, Lou Blassie, the professor. Hey, that's me. Each week we'll delve into the realm of the supernatural where all that is is not what it appears to be. With remarkable guests, spirited conversation, and the occasional voice of the deceased, we'll bring you a whole new meaning to the term dead air. Ghost Chronicles, Mondays at 11 on Eagle Radio 1110. Welcome to Toginet, radio with a cutting edge. Feel the need to do some soul searching or make some changes in your life to create a more positive future? Then Circles of Wisdom is just the place for you. Circles of Wisdom is a metaphysical bookstore and more, located on Route 28 in downtown Andover, Massachusetts. We carry a large selection of books and music, crystals and gemstones, jewelry and gifts, sage, aromatherapy, and so much more, all in a relaxing and welcoming atmosphere. We offer classes on a variety of topics like yoga, Reiki, psychic development, alternative healing, and personal transformation. For guidance on this journey we call life, get a reading from one of our many readers at Circles of Wisdom, 90 Main Street in downtown Andover, right next to Bertucci's. Call us at 978-474-8010 or check us out on the web at www.circlesofwisdom.com. Lots to see and do in a feel-good place, an oasis in this hectic world. I still got that tick 6694 thing in my head when we come back in. But anyway, welcome back to part two of Ghost Chronicles International, um, otherwise known as, what was it last week? The New England Ghost Hunting Society? I have no clue. Oh, okay. Well, you were here. No, I wasn't. Yes, you were. We can, only, only, we can... in, only my body. My mind was somewhere else. Well, that could often be said. Does that mean that you were... You know what I mean? ...possessed? I could be. So, anyways... Is that a good word of the week, Link? What's that? Is that a good link to word of the week? So, yeah, I guess. Anyways, today's show is brought to you by the word possession. Which is nine-tenths of the rest of the program. I knew you were going to say that. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. See that? You, God smattered you. God smattered he you. Smoked. Oh, I've had another letter from Peter Popoff. Get out of here. Seriously. <laughs> uh, this one contains... Well, wait, wait a minute. People don't know who Peter Popoff is. I'm sure they do. <laughs> well, you've got to mention it. Okay. All you right. brought well, it up. Peter Popoff is... Well, he, I don't know how many times he's been prosecuted now. Uh, he's a religious... Um, uh, so crack, crackpot. Um, oh. who, 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 lots of, who, <coughs> sorry, <coughs> gives people, uh, begs See? people, yeah, 
Just Google it. <laughs> I have a coughing fit. See that? You're being, you're being <laughs> for that. Anyway, um, this week he's promised me, <laughs> in just three weeks your life will be radically transformed by God's amazing miracle provision. Are you coming over here? Uh, no. But, but <laughs> it's the freebies. You know the freebies. Uh, yes. we've, had, we've had miracle water. Um, all my... This week it's... Uh, a blue fuzzy felt dove, a green fuzzy felt dove, a red fuzzy felt dove. Get out. Six dove tattoos and three safety pins for my fuzzy felt doves. Um, and God is ready to establish a new covenant with me and my loved ones. And all I've got to do is, how much is it this week? Uh, oh, apparently the green dove is financial prosperity. The red dove is physical healing, and the blue dove is household salvation. And so I've which dove do you get to send back? <coughs> uh, well, I can enclose £23 um, per dove. Per dove? As, per dove. As well. a seed uh, that I will sow in faith to release God's miracle provision. So God doesn't move in mysterious ways unless you give him £23. That's about $30. Um, but you, you do get little felt things. <laughs> oh, you get loads of I've had holy water. I've had, uh, well, sorry, miracle water. He's not allowed to call it holy water anymore uh, mm -hmm. after another court case. Um, <clears throat> the weirdest one was a, a, a 3D printed, I've got no idea what it is. It looks like, well, it's been done on a 3D printer. It mm -hmm. looks like... Uh, That's exciting. It's it sort of beige, looks like a kid's whistle. I think it's a, supposed to be a representation of one of the horns that, what's his name, blew to bring down the walls of Jericho. Uh, oh, okay. And then you're supposed to, it doesn't do it. And a piece well, of... Wait a minute, that might work with uh, low-frequency sound. That could do it. Well, it could. And I, I'm feeling a little anxious right now. you just blowing that uh, yeah. thing. I really look forward to his letters arriving. And you, in with that, you also got a piece of red cord, which symbolized something else. Wow, that's amazing. I know, it's great. Uh, all, you can get all this crap in return for all you've got to do is go on the Peter Popoff Ministries website. That's and Peter Popoff. Yeah. Fill in the how prayer do spell, How do you spell that? Just so uh, P O. Hang on, I'll read it. Hang on. Yes, because we don't want to give misinformation. No, no. I mean, people are missing out here. Um, yeah. Free stuff. Yeah, free, free crap. <laughs> uh, hang on. I'm sorry. There's just so much of it. Uh, it's P O P O F F. That's it. Yeah, Peter Popoff Ministries. Popoff. P O P. Yeah, he's huge and he's been around in America for oh, like, I'm, like I'm so I'm excited about this. Well, I want to get, get I want to get my own Peter Popoff stuff. Fill in a prayer card online and yep. just just sit back. It takes a few weeks and then you just get deluged by crap. Awesome! It is absolutely brilliant. You get all sorts of rubbish. You get like miracle water. I've had holy boiled sweets. Jeez. Uh, oh, I've had these are the big felt doves. I've had smaller felt doves. Um, uh. Oh god, the envelopes are just stuffed full of rubbish. And and you get all these great certificates from God. Um, certificates where God promises you all sorts of stuff. 
And people, wow, this guy nets about, well, it's about 7 million US dollars a year. Um, and he's been prosecuted endlessly. Um, uh-huh. Peter Popoff. Yeah, the Peter Popoff Ministries. Check it pop, out. Pop off a miracle car, a, mir- a prayer request, and you two can be deluged by crap. Anyway, there you well, go. that's that. So, having cured myself of uh, possession, the coughing fit. Uh, of course, possession, there are lots of forms of possession, uh, but in terms of what we're talking about on the show, I'm guessing that people are are thinking demonic possession, which is the belief that individuals can be possessed by malevolent beings, commonly referred to as demons or devils. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently, possessions are placed in a rank of apparitions. Uh, so you can be... Um, Possessed by multi, by by you know sort of a, a scale of possession. Sure. Uh, Wait a minute. What is what is the official reading dictionary tell us? Or? Uh, a developed form of motor auto automatism, in which the personality of the automatist is substituted by another, as a rule by a discarnate spirit. The possessing Ooh. personality aims to establish communication through the organism of the entranced medium with this world by writing or by speech. The incipient stage of possession is personation, (laughs) during which, yeah, impersonation, during which the medium's own personality is still in the body, but is assuming the characteristics of someone departed. The next stage is a partial possession, the excitation of the medium's motor or sensory senses, centers by a discarnate agent either through the subconscious self uh, or in some direct way. Full possession postulates the vacation of the organism by the medium to allow the entrance of another spirit. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's, it's strange that scene. I've seen definitely through Maureen some interesting things that could fit right into that little uh, definition you just gave me so that's that's interesting but we always think of possession as you know the exorcist and all that stuff right ah uh, yeah i mean that's the if you say someone is possessed they will immediately uh, almost in every instance move toward and, you know, and it's so common though i mean we say we say things like i don't know what possessed me to do that and and so we we have this kind of uh, knowledge of it, I guess you would say that that we almost accept that it that it's it's a possibility in, in the way we accept and say things. Well, it's certainly common in our language. What's interesting is it actually wasn't that common in our culture. Certainly within, say, the um, the Western world, the U.S. Um, and deal mm-hmm. with the U.S. because. This sort of brings us back to Spirit Quest. Uh, one of the talks I'm, I'm going to be doing is about, what we're going to be looking at, is about exorcisms. Um, really? And exorcism was incredibly rare. It was a, a really very rare phenomena. The Catholic Church almost did no exorcisms at all through the 20th century until... Well, I mean, there are, there are total... Wait a minute, I have to disagree with you. They didn't, because... do, they didn't do none. They did very, very few. Okay, I think I'll, a, accept, I'll accept I think that. there was about recorded, 11... Recorded possessions. Uh, there were 11 documented... I think it was 11 documented uh, possession, uh, exorcisms by the Catholic Church conducted up between 
19, between the First World War, the end of the First World War, and 1978. However, a film came out around that time called The Exorcist. And we are in a situation now where, year on year, the rates of people seeking exorcisms from the Catholic Church and the number of resulting exorcisms carried out is going up at an exponential rate. To the point where, was it uh, earlier this year, the Catholic Church uh, actively started to train uh, additional additional and in fact, that's also the situation here in the UK as well, where additional ministers are being uh, trained um, in, the art, in the, the art of conducting an exorcism. But you mentioned only the, the church and the Catholic church, but other cultures... No, 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 no. I said the church. I was being... The, see, the predominant church in the UK is not the Catholic church. Right, but in other cultures, uh, possession is... is you know, widely accepted, especially, uh, you know, in the, the less educated ones? Uh, well, possession is accepted um, and exorcism is conducted by all of the major religions. So exactly. uh, the Judeo-Christian religions, Islam, uh, the, the Hindu religions, uh, the Shinto religion, all conduct exorcisms because they all have an intrinsic... Uh, element that the that the living can be possessed or uh, taken over by by the discarnate or by the deceased. So it's quite a common. In fact, uh, one of the things I'm going to be bringing over with me in set in the fall is um, an exorcist talisman, but it's a, a Buddhist one, not a Christian one. That's okay. Um, it's actually from Japan uh, because. This exorcism thing, we do, because we're in the West, we automatically associate it with the church. And we ought, we generally make the assumption that it's the Catholics who are predominantly performing exorcisms uh, because they are the dominant of the two Christian religions, the larger of the two Christian religions. However, here in the UK, we have the Church of England, the Anglican uh, faith, and that also has a, an active body of exorcism or deliverance ministers, as, mm-hmm. they're, as they're called. Um, and I think the Catholic Church has also started to change the terminology. They certainly rewrote the the um, rituals fo- uh, following Vatican II in the 60s. They, they redefined and redesigned the, the exorcism uh, rituals, uh, which which was uh, caused a great deal of uh, problems within the church at the time. Yeah, I, have, I agree. You're going to have to come to Spirit Quest if you want to find out the details. Yeah, exactly. Whole uh, talk away. What's that? I'm not giving the whole talk away on air. You have to come to right, Spirit right. Quest. Right, right. So it'll be interesting. And uh, the, the whole theme of Spirit Quest this year, of course, is uh, Angels and Demons from uh, Deanne Brown's book. And uh, we have a, you know, a lot of interesting things. and It starts right off Friday night with the uh, conclave dinner, Dining with the Dead, and we do an actual conclave. We do the same ceremony they use to elect the Pope, only, of course, it's dress-up, so we'll be selecting best-dressed, best-in-show, as I like to say. And, uh, you know, all the way to the Da Vinci Code ghost hunt, which will be interesting in itself, is... And during the whole weekend, we you become a symbologist, 
uh, where you can follow clues to find the lost relics. So it's it's going to be a fun weekend. It's great speakers. You're going to be there. I'm doing a talk on the Shroud of Turing. I have a replica of the Shroud of Turing, the front half. And um, uh, Sandra and um, Keith Johnson will be there uh, doing a Demonology 101. We have angel people. It's going to be awesome. I know. Um, actually, I, I, I saw the uh, I, I saw yeah, Keith and Sandra Johnson's thing, Demonology 101. I thought, well, I'm not allowed to do Ghostology 101, but there you go. <laughs> yeah, this is 45 minutes. How long is yours? Um, yeah, okay. Yeah. About, Very yeah. long. <laughs> but it, it is interesting, and, and this whole thing about possession. and But, you know, we don't know what the human spirit is that's the problem so i mean we it's it's easy to say poo poo you know it, you know it can't be done or you know you can't be possessed or anything but we we don't totally understand how this human spirit works well is it, i would is i it, would say is, that it, is it beyond the corporal or is you know it, what is it that makes it difficult for us to uh oops go ahead well, I would say it's complete nonsense to say that somebody can't be possessed. Uh, what? The, because clearly they can. Um, you know, there is there is sufficient evidence to say that people can become possessed. But what is possessing them is the, is is the real is exactly. the real conundrum. Exactly. Are they just simply being possessed by themselves by their own belief that they are? Uh, you know. Um, Acting, you know, there there are certainly examples where people believe themselves to be possessed because it's it's kind of like the curse thing, isn't it? You know, if you tell people that they're cursed, um, they will believe that they're cursed. If people start to imagine and believe that they are possessed, then who knows what they can do? uh, You know, and what the effects upon them will be? Are they genuinely possessed by a demon? I would say that certainly a, a great deal of eminent men within the church and uh, who have studied this in far greater detail than than you or I uh, would agree, would say that yes, uh, they are being possessed by demons and therefore the demons exist. I am a little more cautious because I trying to be you know sort of uh, based upon the evidence, like with ghosts. It's very difficult to say what a ghost is because we have no uh, metrics. We can't measure them. Likewise with demons, we have a lot of evidence uh, that that is anecdotal, but we have no metrics that suggest that that these things are are real. Uh, And yet yet we have real effects on people. Yeah, but the interesting thing too, Steve, is is that, you know, the, the... Catholic Church, and I'll speak for the Catholic Church, is, you know, they don't, like, drop your hat and say, oh, you're possessed. I mean, they go into a great deal of, uh, you know, uh, you know, tests to put you through and so forth. Uh, it, it's not like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm killing people, so I'm possessed. It, it, you know, they, they want to learn more. They want to understand, uh, you know, is it a psychological problem? Is it a chemical problem? Well, you know, what is it? And they do a great deal of... of uh, testing before they will even consider an exorcism uh well they do now um in the past they were a little bit more lax about um you know the requirements for an exorcism i mean at the moment uh, following some uh 
cases of apparent possession where things went very badly wrong. Um, the, the most notable, of course, being the German case. Um, but again, you're going to have to come to Spirit Quest if you want to find out more. Um, the Catholic Church dramatically tightened up its procedures uh, for exorcisms to be conducted, and now they are very rigorous, uh, very rigorous in their um, pre-exorcism uh, requirements. Uh, but do, do you think it, it's just the Catholic Church growing? In other words, their 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 uh, their their knowledge is is. Is they're becoming more knowledgeable of the, of uh, man and and th- therefore that's why they do it. Well, no, I mean I, I've spoken to exorcists. No, um, you don't. You don't think so. You don't think that knowledge is is helped at all. I I know that knowledge I, I, has certainly doctrine well, of the church and I, I don't think it's affected uh, 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 the belief level because I've spoken to exorcists who will. Um, who understand? I mean, some, several, uh, two of the ones I've actually spoken to, are, who are ordained uh, Catholic priests and exorcists, deliverance mm-hmm. men, uh, exorcist priests within the Catholic Church, also have doctorates in psychology, and they understand all of the, and they they recognise that that people can uh, have psychological, psychiatric, and other conditions, uh, or just you know that that resemble possession, but they still intrinsically believe and have dealt with cases that they absolutely believe to be instances of demonic possession. No, no, I wasn't uh, saying that. Oh, sorry. You sorry. were saying before that the church was much more, you know, quick to drop a hat and, and, and go do an exorcism, where now they, they go through more rigorous uh, tests and so forth. And I, and why you just talked to two people who had degrees, and and you wouldn't have that back in the, in the day. So I, I think that, that what I was getting at was that, that the church has become more knowledgeable Knowledgeable in the ways of the world, and therefore understanding uh, man and its his problems, and and not just drop it every little shadow as a as a demon. Um, yes, I, I mean there's there's no doubt that the world, that the church has become more enlightened, more uh, more educated approach has taken over. But this was not driven by a, an increase in knowledge. This was driven by. Uh, several high-profile legal uh, situations that the church got itself embroiled with uh, following exorcisms in which people were either severely traumatized injured or indeed died Um, and it was it was the legal uh, ramifications of the exorcisms as they were carried out that forced the change in the procedures. It forced the change for them to look at the knowledge that gave them the, yeah. the thing. I mean, I, however, I, I agree with you, but I, I also... You know, however, I mean, there has been a movement of enlightenment for over, you know, for several hundred years within the church Within the within the Catholic Church, within the within within all the religions that recognise, I mean, we were we were burning people for saying that the you know the, the sun went round the earth. That's right. Uh, you know, the Church has to embrace new scientific discoveries, and and that does you know it doesn't just relate to to planets and and what what have you. It relates to the faculties of the mind. You know, there are a great you know. Uh, there are a great number of very educated, very enlightened men within the church, and what's what's quite interesting is uh, for me is that they can reconcile because we have this sort of dogmatic approach by atheists that you know there can't be a god because science overrules God, and therefore you know 
uh, evolution over creation. And yet you if that was the case, there would be no no scientists that believe in God. Well, you have a great number of scientists who work in you know biological sciences and all manner of other things who believe who can who can reconcile their belief in a creator God and study evolution. Um, or study, you know, particle physics, or study all manner of other sciencey stuff. So, the human ability to deal with these things is really quite fascinating, um, and it, it, it's like the paranormal in that you know we're dealing at the basest level with people and their experiences. And I think a lot of ghost hunters believe that they're studying. A separate entity that there is this other species called ghosts. Um, you know, they're a bit like it's a, they think that the whole thing's a bit like Star Trek that they're off on a, a five-year adventure to discover brave new worlds, <laughs> and, and they're off. You know, sort of. However, it's it, it's 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 more it should be more inward-looking because it's it's a fascinating look at the human being and that the human psyche and psychology why do people see ghosts what sort of people see ghosts why do some people not see ghosts why do people believe in them why do some people not believe in them um you know that's what that's what should drive the investigation process i believe mm-hmm. you know we're not we're not on a five-year quest to seek out you know weird new life forms in, in dilapidated old sanatoriums Right, like like most of what we do in in science is is we're trying to understand things. Yeah, and we should be, be prepared to be wrong. Uh, you know, science science evolves by being wrong, uh, by trying experiments that fail, by by exactly. you know, facing new revelations and re-evolving hypotheses and testing them and failing or, or succeeding. Ghost hunters don't really like failure. Um, it isn't something that they're comfortable with. Um, and it, there isn't much evolution of ideas, mm-hmm. I would say. Anyways, uh, I know that uh, we're coming down to our time, but uh, the past newsletter, and I wanted to bring this up, uh, I, I had the photo of the month, and, and did you happen to see the newsletter by any chance? Steve? I did glance at the newsletter, uh, yeah. but I was on holiday last week, so I... Yeah, I, no, no, that's all right. I'm, I'm in depth, not in depth. So anyways, uh, there was a photograph that was um, of, of the strings on a Venetian blind, and the the story is, and I know this woman, is that she's very much a uh, neat neck. She straightens everything out, and you know, makes sure everything is just so. But she'll come across, and the string on the blinds will be tied in a knot. And the times that she's there when it happens, she'll hear like uh, a crickly electrical sound, like almost like uh, cellophane being, uh, you know, crushed in your hand. Oh, there's the bell. So uh, have you ever heard of anything like that? That was what, what a point I was getting at anyways. Um, in the in the brief moment that, that's left of us on the show, uh, the short answer has to be no, I haven't. Okay, that's interesting. So anyways, take a look at my newsletter. Uh, if you haven't, don't get my newsletter. Sign up at the uh, website. 
NAGhostProject.com, the letter N, the letter E, ghostproject.com. Uh, Steve writes uh, an article for it. Uh, also, Ann Carrigan does one on cemetery tripping. We have, uh, you know, a little bit of this and a little bit of that, book of the month, uh, photo of the month, some other stuff done there as well. So, Steve, I can't believe it. You're going to be over here in two months. Yeah. Doesn't time fly? Oh, in fact, it I was does, only ch- checking my Esther today to make sure that uh, the U.S. government was still going to let me back in. <laughs> yeah, well, that's uh, after last time. I didn't think they would, but that's that's another story for another time. So, anyways, uh, Steve will be over here. Uh, the, starting off with Spur Cross on September 23rd through the 25th, and he'll be doing some other events as well. So uh, check out the website, anyghostproject.com, and see uh, what we'll be up to. And speaking of being up to, I'm going to be doing a pirate cruise on August 19th. Yeah, yeah. You see, you're doing it again. Bef- wait, bef- you do all the cool stuff just before we get there and just after I leave. Why? You like pirate cruises? Pirate and ghost cruises? I think I'd be a good pirate. I'm not saying why. Yeah, I'm just thinking that, but not saying anything. (laughs) (laughs) But anyways, uh, yeah, that's uh, August 19th. That'll be a Friday night. Uh, We go out a ride in New Hampshire and sail for two and a half hours. So it'll be a lot of fun. It's always fun. I dress up as a pirate surprise. I'm not so comfortable on those cruises. I I wouldn't be as comfortable. I mean, the first year it came over, it was great. But now I've discovered you've got great whites. I'm like, (laughs) not as comfortable. they don't need English people. You're they, come on the bl- they come on the beach now. Yeah, well, they don't need English people. They were jumping out them. onto the beach. Uh, they're too tough. English people are too tough. Americans are nice and soft. They like them. <laughs> so, anyways, we want to thank everybody for tuning in and listening. And uh, tune in next week for Ghost Chronicles International with Steve and Ron. Good night and God bless. God bless. to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us, good Lord.